Everybody, welcome to Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement building show. Uh, this is Eric Mann from KPFK and organizing in South Central Los Angeles and East Los Angeles and throughout the United States. As you know, yesterday was the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King, and uh, I'm happy to say that our strategy center and strategy and soul movement center at the corner, right on Martin Luther King Boulevard at the corner of King and Crenshaw, apparently was the backdrop for ABC News for the entire day. So as everybody marched past us, you saw uh, strategy and soul, strategy and soul, police, strategy and soul, uh, anti-police, strategy and soul, everybody marching past. So we only have uh, about 40 minutes. I'm one of the few people who doesn't share the obsession with the uh, impeachment. Uh, I have other things on my mind, not to say that's not important, but today in our abbreviated version, we're going to have uh, a little bit about Dr. Martin Luther King in my article, All Hail the Revolutionary King, Dr. Martin Luther King and the Black Revolutionary Tradition. And then I'm going to try to spend more time on a review of a film called Parasite, which I've been doing a lot of work on. I think it's one of the Great, great, great films of all time. Uh, Ricky's giving me a cue. What does it say? Oh, you do? It's off the chart. It's one of the very, very best films I've seen in just forever. So uh, I want to make sure I do more actually on Parasite because I've spent so much time and I'm going to work on it tonight. Uh, the main thing about Dr. King is I urge you to actually read my articles. How's that? Because... Uh, I do this article every year, and I'm very fortunate that Counterpunch Magazine, counterpunch.org, publishes it. Yesterday, they published it as the second lead story. Uh, I slightly edit it every year because I, I keep learning from it. And um, uh, then I write an introduction every year. So the essence of the article is that, especially for a lot of, for those of you who were there, a lot of you who weren't, King has become uh, a caricatured, sanitized prop of U.S. imperialism from their point of view, a, a man they never liked, in fact hated, and eventually contributed to killing. But today it's, I have a dream, I have a dream, nonviolence, nonviolence. 
even the he said, I want people eventually would be judged by the, not by the color of their skin, by the content of their character, has been turned on its head to people say, see, he said you shouldn't be judged by the color of your skin, but just by the content of your character. It's not what he said. He said, someday, if we can ever change this racist system, I would want to believe that could be true. And yet racial prejudice is deeper now than even during the 60s. So in summarizing my article, I urge you to go on uh, counterpunch.org and read it, print it out. Also, I want to thank uh, Dick and Sharon at the LA Progressive, uh, Dick Price and Sharon Kyle for also publishing it. Uh, It will also be published this week in Black Commentator. And I want to thank Peter Gamble, the editor of Black Commentator, for publishing it. So I'm very lucky. I have it published in three different places. And the most important thing is, would you please read it? And if you like it, send me an email at eric at Voices from the Frontline. So I'm going to read you the intro to it, but I'm not going to read you the article because I'd like you to go read the article yourself. My intro says, every year until the revolution comes again, the counter-revolution manipulates the historic birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King that so many people fought for as their symbol of black integration, as the system symbol of black integration into imperialism and nonviolent acquiescence to, at best, Barack Obama's cynical negation of his dream. As Donald Trump has just assassinated Iranian General Qasem Soleimani with Democratic token opposition at best and acquiescence at worst, Dr. Ken reminds us that the United States, my government, is the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. Now, as Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren squabble for position and too often reduce the meaning of life to a barren economic populism, Dr. King reminds us that U.S. society is a moral disgrace, and we need a revolutionary movement to challenge its racism, militarism, poverty, and materialism. His thoughts offer Democrats in the movement a challenge. There's an urgent need for a revolutionary worldview to challenge the racism and reaction of Donald Trump's Make America Great fascist appeal. Meanwhile, on the ground, black and Latino communities in the world are suffering the worst political, economic, and ecological catastrophe with little help in sight. In this context, the most engaged and introspective study of Dr. King's theory and practice is an urgent corrective that can offer hope and inspiration. I saw a revolution with my own eyes, and I helped to make it. Beginning in 1964, I, Eric Mann, was a field secretary with the Congress of Racial Equality an organizer with the Newark Community Union Project. I was a national officer and organizer with Students for Democratic Society. I was a 10-year assembly line worker at Ford and General Motors. I was an elected leader of the National UAW New Directions Movement, where we challenged the embed-with-the-company materialism of the UAW International with the king-like slogan, Justice, Not Just Us. Today, I work in South Central Los Angeles with the Labor Community Strategy Center, along with black and Latino community members and high school students, and we fight for the social welfare state, not the police state, the climate justice state, not the warfare state. Now, in terms of KPFK listeners, I'm going to get to this in a minute, 
there's a quote here. I say, we're working in the tradition of Sitting Bull, Toussaint Louverture in the Haitian Revolution, Frederick Douglass, W.B. Du Bois, Claudia Jones, a black communist from actually West Indians in England, Paul Ropes in Ho Chi Minh, Patrice Lumumba, Fannie Lou Hamer, Malcolm X, and the wonderful revolutionary Dr. King. How fortunate we are that our Strategy and Soul Movement Center is at 3546 Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in the heart of South LA, at the historic corner of King and Crenshaw. So I get to say the word Martin Luther King 400 times a day because where are you going to meet me at 3546 Martin Luther King? This year, every year, we work to protect and expand Dr. King's legacy from those who would bury it in the grave, and I celebrate one of the great revolutionaries in U.S. world history. Every year, I reframe and publish this essay with the goal of expanding the discussion and debate about a black and third world-led anti-racist, anti-imperialist, climate justice united front. I love Dr. King. I'd like to sing along with the great song by Stevie Wonder, which does bring him to life every year. And it's hard to remember that there was once not a holiday, and now there is. There ought to be a time that we can set aside. We can set aside to show, to show just how much we, we love him. him. And I'm sure you would agree. What could fit more perfectly than to have a world party on the day you came to be? Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to ya.
Think about a song that was written before there was a holiday for Dr. Martin Luther King and help win and build a mass movement to demand a birthday for Dr. Martin Luther King. So everybody, um, I was going to take a musical break, but we just took one. And, I, and because of time, I'm going to segue into my first draft a review of the film uh, Parasite. Uh about 3.45, we'll go to the phones to talk about Dr. King and if you've seen a Parasite. Now, let me warn you, uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. This got so many spoilers in it that you're just going to have, there's no way. Because there's two kind of reviews. There's Patrick Chang. Sorry, Ricky, you got to go la, 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 la. You know, just pretend you're not listening. Because there's two kind of reviews. There's one like Patrick Chang, the first one from the LA Times. He goes, um... Parasite is a wonderful film. I can't tell you anything about it. Parasite's a wonderful film. I can't tell you anything about it. It's wonderful. You're going to love it. So that was the non-spoiler. The second one, everybody who's trying to tell the story (laughs) doesn't know how to tell the story without saying something about the story. So there's more spoiler alerts in other reviews too, folks. So just remember something. You You won't remember everything I said, but for the hell of it, just enjoy it and some of it's in the trailer anyway, and the others just pretend you didn't hear it, okay? So, Parasite by Bong Joon-ho, a great filmmaker from South Korea, is one of the finest films I've seen in a long time. Bong wrote the story, wrote the screenplay, directed the film, and willed it into existence. To me, its fundamental premise is that capitalism itself, in this case reflected in South Korean society, is parasitic from top to bottom, affecting and affecting every class. It's one of the most entertaining, amusing, ironic, and terrifying expositions of capitalism in all its facets. It presents layer upon layer of a system of ruling class degeneracy and idiocy, but far more dangerous, a complex multi-class system of interpenetration marked by exploitation, alienation, opportunism, lying, deception, grifters, hustlers, in which there can be no truth. But like Rashomon, this time through a class and gender lens, that everyone is in the game, everyone is playing their part and seeing the parasite through their own eyes. Who is the parasite? Who are the parasites? And are you a parasite? Are the hard questions this amazing film asks for an audience that may be so entertained and awestruck it may not get the joke is on them. 
Bong has made a masterwork of art and politics, entertainment, polemic, and didactic all at the same time. In the end, the punchline literally is that the only way the poor can get what they want is becoming rich. Now, while I completely reject that premise, and maybe Bong does it well, it reflects that aspirational drug on which imperialism thrives, that the poor's only real anger without a revolutionary movement and a major transformation of ideology is that it's, they're not rich, or even they're angry that they're just not a little less poor. Everybody looks upward with, with envy and downward with contempt inside a capitalist society. Think about that. People are not really angry at the rich. They're not. They aspire to be the rich. They love the rich. They have contempt for anybody below them. Now, the first part of the film shows a brilliant series of hustles by the completely down-and-out Kim family living truly underground where they have to watch wealthier people using their alley to take a, to urinate. They fold pizza boxes for what little living they have. They place their cell phones to the ceiling to try to intercept free Wi-Fi. They even welcome the fumigators outside. And while a daughter says, close the door, the father, seeing so many bed bugs in their pigsty, says, no, it's free fumigation, even though they almost choke to death as a price for the gift. Then they almost lose their jobs because they do such a lousy job of folding pizza boxes, they can't even get into it. Now, as Patrick Chang explains in his LA Time reviews, the movie swiftly, this is Patrick Chang speaking now, the movie swiftly establishes its own predictable agenda not long after Ki Woo, the son, inherits an English tutoring job from a college student friend, Park Ji Hoon. The pupil in question is an upper-class teenage girl, Park Dai Jung Siso, and their lessons will take place in the gated, modernist fortress she calls home. Ki Woo just barely manages to keep a lid on his awe the first time the Park's formidable housekeeper, Moon Guang, played by Lee Jung Un, ushers him inside. Designed and formerly inhabited by a favorite architect, the house is a masterwork of real estate pornography with beige walls, marble floors, and vast, cavernous spaces. But no one embodies the film's glossy pretensions more nakedly than Don Gick's wife, Yun Jaku. Whether she's idly stroking one of her fam family's three dogs or peppering her everyday speech with English affectations. Uh, then Ki Woo, in an endless series of hustles, says he knows a great tutor for the socially rebellious little boy, bring his sister in who has first forged his own credentials, how he now forges hers. So here's how it works. Basically, there's this rich family, right? They live in this big house, and they have a tutor. The tutor is going away, the guy, and he gets his friend to say, listen, I got this really great gig. I'm going away, don't mess with this young woman because I plan to marry her and become upwardly mobile and rich. As soon as the young guy who lives in the pizza box house comes, he quickly figures out that he's going to try to marry the young woman. And not only that, he gets his sister in as the art teacher, he gets his father in as the chauffeur, and he gets his mother in as the maid, each time getting rid of the people who already have the jobs through subterfuge and trickery and parasitism. So, for instance, he brings, uh, how does he get the job? Well, his sister, 
And remember, they got almost no money. His sister goes online and finds all kinds of forgery stuff, which she can get online. She generates a diploma. She gets. A, she generates a uh, uh, what uh, a resume. Now, how does he get the job without any formal qualifications? He gets his sister to forge elaborate credentials for him by copying logos online as a cyber poor fraud of the very poor replicates the daily cyber fraud of the system. Did you know today Amazon is trying to get a patent so that you can buy Amazon products with your palm print? You don't even need a credit card. You don't think they're going to do massive cyber fraud on you? But people are going to be given with their thumbprint, their palm print. So the poor, being smart, realize in an age of such hustle, I can just hustle my own credentials as well. As just one example, in 2008, the entire capitalist system came crashing down when the credit crisis was precipitated by bank cyber fraud. They bundled subprime loans in fraudulent tranches. So when people started to default the banks that held the fraudulent loans, the banks couldn't pay. But don't worry, to accelerate the cybercrime, newly President Barack Obama and the Treasury, they printed billions of fraudulent dollars because the banks were too big to fail. In that context, the fraud of the poor is a tiny hustle of the great hustle of capitalism itself, where cyber fraud today and each country cyber happening each other, shoot, in that context, the poor of the poor living in a one-room shack breathing in fumigation fumes, they still know how to forge an ID. 818-985-5735. Now with the new of disguised family virtually taking over the Parks family mansion, again, who are the parasites here? The clever setup is about to explode. So the first part of the film, you're just watching the hustle. It's funny. It's hysterical. How the poor are hustling the rich. And this whole family is basically, they're called the Kims. They've taken over the Parks Mansion. But there's a great scene here where the Kims are prepping the father for his interview as a chauffeur. And the son is giving the father acting lessons with the full insights of a good director. Is Jung punking phone at himself? But also that life is an act, and the lower working class needs to hustle more than class struggle. And if we all play a part, then maybe we can act our way out of class subordination. He says, no, Dad, take it down a few notches. Try the line again. So the son is prepping the father to become an actor, and the actor, who's an actor, plays the chauffeur and gets the job as a chauffeur because he was trained as an actor. Get it? It's very deep, deep. So it reaches the point where the tutor, the psychologist, the nanny, and the chauffeur are played to perfection as the actors are played, working people who in turn are actors in their own acting school in the slums. Now, the first sign of catastrophe, though, is that the ruling class's son, now that there's all four from the same family, he says, even though they're supposedly in no relation to each other, he says, Mommy, they all smell the same. She says, what do you mean? They just all smell the same. Now, that's true, at least because in this poor case, a poor family living in squalor with bed bugs, fumigation, urine, and Wi-Fi does smell the same to the discerning nose of a ruling class kid. 
You begin to realize this will not end well. The Parks go out for a camping trip. The Kims take over their home with complete ingratitude and hubris, getting roaring drunk on the family's cognac and other top-of-the-line spirits. Then as the rains come down, the family has to pick up its mess in eight minutes, and since they're not supposed to be there, they have to hide under the bed. Sadly, as the Parks return and their young son chooses to go into the backyard in the teepee in the rain, the first of the Indian images, his father and mother stay on the couch to observe all night through their floor-to-ceiling back doors and the father's obsession with walkie-talkies with his son. But as the Kims underneath the bed zip their lips, the bourgeois father speaks of the help with great contempt. Talking about the chauffeur, he pushes his robe just to the edge of class subordination, but he just knows when to stop. And then he goes into great detail about the terrible smell from the chauffeur, and he has to crack his window. So the odor of wealth and the odor of the poor continues. And then, if this layer upon layer is not enough, it turns out the housekeeper they got fired, Lee Jong-un's swift transformation from a calmly efficient housekeeper to a keening madwoman, uncovers there's another life under the floors deep in the basement where another society lives. So even the wealthy, then the middle class, then the upper working class, then the lower working class, then the hustler working class is still on top of a subterranean working class buried with all the secrets, and each class is attacking each other, creates a tapestry of class hatred, self-hatred, interdependence, and parasitism. In one of the most brutally honest scenes, uh, the patriarchal wealthy father of the mansion asks his chauffeur to play a game of Indians for his children at a lavish birthday party. Uh, it shows his arrogant belief that the chauffeur, Kitak, played by the majestic Sung Kang who in turn hustled his way into getting the job under false pretenses, would want to play the part of an Indian chief. Since in Parasite, everyone is playing a part. The chauffeur, either assuming or knowing the father is not faithful to his wife, keeps telling him knowingly with profound sarcasm, but of course you love your wife. And the father angrily says, well, remember, I'm paying you time and a half, so essentially shut up. Uh, Eric at 818-985-5735. But then the... the, the uh, not only is he angry at the insubordination of the chauffeur, but he shows a visceral sense of his repulsion at his body odor that drives the chauffeur into such an act of rage that he attacks the ruling class father as the Indian turns on the cowboy. And while they're both Korean, the father's red face at the time is they're both dressed up in elaborate Indian headdresses nothing but the top of the line in cultural appropriation and trivialization, is the show for the Indian in this story. In the film, the mother of the grifters does a funny impression of North Korean television, which Jung has to explain to the audience. It is funny to me only for a second. As a member of a communist organization, and one who, like all of us, knew the sad irony of, uh, I just got a thing, don't tell the ending, please. Uh, I'm going to tell the ending. I can do whatever I want. Um, 
as a member of a communist organization, and one of all of us who knew the sad irony of the worst of communist dogmatism, long live the great victories against the imperialist aggressor, except that, in fact, yes, we want the victories to last. That shows a big hole in Bong's worldview. For North Korean President Kim Jong-un is a constant source of racist caricature, North Korea is a real country with real people trying desperately to find a path independent of the United States. And even the People's Republic of China is closest to problematic ally. That the decadence of South Korea, which the filmmaker is showing, should at least take seriously. And if state-supported communist political education seems dogmatic and one-sided, check out the slavish caricatures of Rachel Maddow and Larry the Lounge Lizard O'Brien on MSNBC with their all hail the glorious Democratic Party in its ruthless struggle against the fascist Trump. All hail Barack Obama and all other Democrats who've carried out similar or same policies as we practice apologia and opportunism into a great principle based on the rule of law, the founding fathers. So you don't like North Korean propaganda but listen to MSNBC and listen to Rachel Maddow if you really want to hear some one-sided propaganda. To complete the circle, note that the Democrats' hatred of Trump, even when he does something decent, like working for a peaceful relationship with the North Koreans and Jong-un, even implying that Trump has a homosexual attraction to Kim, such that MSNBC, homophobic and warmongering jokes are great as long as Trump, Trump, Trump is the target as Margaret Cho continues to slander on Saturday Night Live. So, the end of the film, which I was told not to tell you. I didn't plan to tell you. But here's the end of the film politically. What he's done is done a brilliant concept to understand, I ask you this. Are you part of this government? Are you part of it? Are you, if you are opposed to Trump, uh, do you in any way reject the propaganda of CNBC? If you're opposed to imperialism, how hard are you really working against the war in Iran or the war in Iraq? If you're for anything, how hard are you both fighting? If you're against poverty in the world, do you have any understanding that all of the money that we get is in a stacked deck? that we are all part of a parasitic system. But here's the difference. If the system is parasitic and we all participate in it, then the final question, parasite, is who are the parasites? And are you a parasite? See it? It's one of the very finest films I've seen. It's a web upon a web and a web. I'm going to see it again tonight and tighten up my review. I hope you like it. This is Eric Manuel on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. All right, a uh, few calls, and uh, Ricky, you can also call in. Uh, Bill from Lake Elsinore. Hello, Eric. Hey, Great Bill. Show. Good afternoon. How you doing? Um, I want to say it's a question on uh, Martin Luther King was all my 16 plus years in the public schools never taught us one peep, one word, uh, anything to, at all of Martin Luther King. I had to learn everything I know from 
this station. Thank you. Well, more than that, and thank you. You know, the reason why when we go into Fun Drive, the two things I do the most are the Paul Robeson uh, films and the, uh, you know, that uh, jump drive is because did you know that Dr. King was pro-communist? Did you know that Dr. King was nonviolent, but he was open to other people being violent if they had to be? Did you know that Dr. King took on the Democratic Party and Lyndon Johnson? Did you know that nonviolent civil disobedience is very militant, very angry, very forceful to the point where you wouldn't know it's nonviolent? Because if Dr. King, he had one thing which was called passive resistance, but nonviolent direct action involves marching in. Did you know that Howard Zinn said that even turning over furniture is nonviolent as long as you don't attack a person? The main point is please read my article on um, counterpunch.org and no, I did not give away the end of Parasite. Uh, Nancy and Brentwood, 818-985-5735. Hi, Nancy. Hi, hi, hi Eric. Uh, about Parasite, this this movie reveals how people are alienated from each other. So you have this interclass, everybody for themselves. Everybody becomes an autonomous being. This is what capitalism does to people. It destroys the fact that we're social animals. And uh, I have a feeling, I don't know if this is the same Korean um, uh, filmmaker, but a few years ago there was another movie from South Korea. Uh, might have been Bong Ju, I'm not sure um, if I got his name right. But it was about this uh, a U.S. military base, which dumped in a lake in the middle of uh, one of the cities in, in Korea, and caused a, a monster, uh, you know, uh, to come out of the lake and, and snatch people, you know, eat people up. It was like a pollution type. Right, it was like right, right, environmental, right. but also attacking how imperialism or, you know, uh, and, and uh, capitalism and all this stuff it destroys the environment and creates monsters. Well, I, th- I actually, you know, it's funny because I'm trying to learn about him. You know, one of the things I was talking, his name is Bong Joon-ho. I think his first, uh-huh. his last name would be Bong Joon-ho is first. You know, one of the things when I was talking to my wife, Leanne, about is that all the actors, and I'm trying to learn their names more effectively, you have to remember that those are famous, famous, famous actors in Korea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. These are stars in Korea. Now, Bong uh, Jun Hu is uh, is becoming internationally famous and he deserves it. But I think what you're right about Nancy is about, you know, it said how like the 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 working class family, right? They were a little bit of a collective, but they were just yeah. a collective against the other people, and they ended up. I think what you're right about is I believe he is saying that parasite is about capitalism itself. That parasite, a parasitic system generates parasitic relationships. I mean, you know, ask somebody who's young, you know, I want to get into college. I mean, why did all those rich people cheat their way into college? Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. a parasitic, you know what I mean? Because it, they were told. It doesn't matter, pay to play. Everybody pays to play, right? In, in, the, in Almost everybody. So they, they were shocked when they got caught. So... They were. You know, and, and the thing is, is that I'm very happy because my mother and my, especially my mother, which she, she was so morally clear about, you are in grave danger, Eric, of becoming a bad person. If, if you don't become a good person, you're in danger of becoming a bad person. And your life choices are going to be very hard because you're going to have to fight the fascists. 
You're going to have to fight for the Jews. You're going to have to fight for the Negroes. Do not sell out. Uh, Fannie Lou Hamer taught me, never sell out the people you represent. So I joined the civil rights movement precisely, Nancy, because of the collectivity. That's what I joined, for the community and the collectivity. I urge everyone to see the film. Oh, oh, I forgot my ending. My ending is that, not the ending of the film, is that the reason I can see a film like this, because I'm in the labor community strategy center. I work with Black Lives Matter. I work with Push LA. I support all these different people doing good things. If I had no life and I saw a parasite, I'd be phenomenally depressed about my own life. You know what I mean? Because it would ask the question, what the hell are you doing with your own life? I can see Parasite and enjoy it because now I can try to build a movement against the system. But if you're not part of a movement against the system, don't laugh at the film too much because the joke is on you. That's right. You get the last word, Nancy, with going out with Nina Simone. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you, Ricky. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for bearing with me on my journey through Martin Luther King and Parasite. I'll see you next Tuesday. Uh, very happy to be on KPFK 90.7 FM. And next Tuesday, we'll start talking about the fun drive that I'll start in February. I have some thoughts to you. Love to you all. Glad to be here. I'll see you next Tuesday at 3. Take good care of yourselves. And more, much more than this.